this is Randy Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be doing a topic, a mini-series, on edible flowers. And today, I'm going to be talking about edible flowers in the spring. This is Sydney, and I will be continuing my summer bucket list series. Today, I will be talking about time capsules. Very fun. Cole is not here today. He had planned to be, but unfortunately, he and his girlfriend are dealing with some air conditioning slash water issues at her place. Uh, So he has off, and it's a warm day here. Yeah, very warm. So they are both off trying to get a portable air conditioning from her parents and kind of figure out fixing it all up. So we wish them well, and we hope that you, the listeners, don't have any air conditioning problems this summer. It's starting to get warm here. It was actually about, it was low 90s here yesterday. It was crazy. It was wrong. Which is, um, considering last weekend was like in the 60s. And hopefully Monday (laughs) will be in the 60s again. Yeah, it's supposed to be upper right 60s. around upper 60s, 70 and rain, but then it's supposed to be in the upper 80s um, between now and the weekend. So, you know, it's kind of still, it's May, it's all over the place here in Northern Virginia. I did want to follow up on a discussion we had a couple of weeks ago on watermelons in the Bible. I did find the verse that it refers to, and there are watermelons and cucumbers referenced in the Bible. It's, uh, it's the book of the Bible called Numbers, which is in the Old Testament. It's Numbers chapter 11, verses 5 through 6, and it mentions both cucumbers and melons as something that the Israelites had um, had eaten. That's so funny. Yeah, so it actually is in there. Yeah. And we have a watermelon in our refrigerator. We do have all kind of fresh fruits. And cucumbers. And fruits. That's yes. right. Right. Now, we know watermelon from our last topic is not actually a fruit, but it is fresh fruit season. It is. So there are strawberries, blueberries, cherries, the sweet cherries, the um, watermelons. What else? I mean, those are things that are just in our house right now. That's right. And they're very yummy. They are so good. Yum. And for those who have dogs, I know that blueberries are good for them. Yes. I don't know. any. For some reason, blueberries stick in my mind. And watermelon without the rind. Yep. We talked about that. Last time. During the watermelon episode. Right. 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 Yeah. So... Those are some fun things that your dogs can enjoy, too. And for the listeners who are wondering about the Brood X cicadas, we have finally seen our first cicada in our yard. I've heard and seen some pictures online this past week of a couple other ones in other people's yards near us. But we finally not only heard the cicadas, the, the kind of the drone of the cicadas, yesterday for the very first time, but we actually saw one in our back garden. And it was very benign and just kind of hanging out. No big right. deal. Just remember, they're not poisonous. They don't bite. They don't sting. They just have, when they get in your, on your skin, they have little grippies on their on their feet. Yeah. So just be careful when you're taking them off so that you don't hurt them. Yeah, and they're, yeah it's mostly startling if it you is. have one land on you because it's not a small thing. It's not, and it has those big red eyes. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary looking, yes. but it's not a mean thing. Yes, so they're nice insects unlike ticks in summertime oh ticks they are not so nice right sydney right and i'm gonna say right for noel as well (laughs) yes unfortunately 
uh, well, fortunately, Sydney and Noel visited us this weekend. Unfortunately, we had our first encounter with ticks for both Sydney and Noel. I know. <laughs> so that was yeah. not as fun. Poor Noel, she's so little. Yes. <laughs> And we have, although this week itself is not uh, too bad, starting next weekend, we do have a busier time in life. We've got Memorial Day starting next weekend, which is nice because that's a three-day weekend. We'll be visiting Beth's family on Saturday and then bringing um, her mom, the kids call Amma, the grandma, back to um, Virginia that same evening, celebrating her birthday that weekend because it's she'll actually have her birthday right after she goes back but we're going to celebrate it that weekend and then the following weekend our friends the Kincaids from Houston will be up in the area so lots going on that's right pretty soon we'll be able to say our friends from nearby from nearby (laughs) because they'll live near us that's right that's fun yes it is I noticed that our peonies are starting to flower. Yeah, late. for Compared to most people's peonies, right. ours are very late. Right. Trish had been sending me pictures of hers, and they were in full bloom. Ours are just starting to bloom. And they are a, just such a nice spring flower. They are have a lovely scent. They're beautiful. They're flowers I always enjoy and look forward to. So Trish, on Mother's Day, sent me a photo of a cocktail that she was drinking. And in it was this really pretty flower floating. And I think it was a violet. I'm not positive, but I think it was a violet. But it was really striking. It was so pretty. And I thought, huh, that's true. There are flowers that you can eat. So that got me onto the edible flower kind of topic. So I started to look up some information about them. And today I'm going to be talking about spring edible flowers. And these are mostly wildflowers, but that you can forage for in the woods, meadows, wherever you're at. But often you'll also see these in yards. Or they could be just in your local store. Some stores sell flowers and you can nibble on those. <laughs> you, if you do, let us know how that went. <laughs> so... Flowers are a lot easier to see than wild greens, so when you are foraging for them, it can be a much simpler task. Some are sweet, some are spicy, some are almost tasteless, but the wild edible flowers are really nice for adding color and interest to salads and other foods, which is what that cocktail was. I still can think of I still have it in my mind. I'm going to start with red buds which are very easy to spot in the early spring. And they're some of the first spring flowers, in this case, shrubs or trees, that we see. They seem to be everywhere in yards and woods along the roadside. The purple-pink flowers come before the leaves of the red bud and nearly cover the tree. So it's a very easy to spot, showy display, very pretty. And apparently, red bud flowers taste almost as good as they look. Now, that's what somebody said. I I have not actually tried any of these, but they're supposed to taste really good. The buds aren't so tasty, but the fully open flowers are usually tart and slightly sweet. So, that was interesting. And that sounds like it could be good um, sprinkled on a salad. What was also said, though, is that it's best to get them early while they're tender. So, you don't want the buds 
You want the flowers, but you want the new flowers, not the old flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's actually a little bit to think about when you're doing your little edible flower foraging. Next comes the violet, which is so pretty. And as I said before, I think this is what Trish had in her drink. Just such a pretty little flower. Violets are common on lawns and just out and about. You'll see them everywhere. In Europe, violet flowers have a long history of culinary uses. That includes violet flower tea, candied violets, and chocolate flavored with violets. The American common violet can be used similarly, but it's not as sweet tasting or smelling as a European sweet violet that is usually associated with those desserts and teas. Because they're around so profusely, I guess you'd say, you can gather a bunch of violets quickly. Both the flowers and the leaves are edible. The leaves apparently have a slightly nutty flavor and taste good in salads. The violet flower is extremely floral and is a great addition to beverages, salads, desserts, chocolates, candies, that kind of thing. And it's kind of like I've, I've eaten, and I don't know if you have, Sydney, and I'm not going to talk about lavender, but and in this podcast, but I've had lavender cook flavored cookies. Have you had those, Sydney? Um, I've had, I might have, but I distinctly remember lavender um, cupcakes. Those are really good. Yeah, and lavender infused honey. There's a lot yeah. of different things um, out there that made me think. There's a lot of different things you can do with edible flowers. Just speaking yeah. for myself, I have found that I do not like flower flavors in my regular food. Yeah, and, and some of them, if they if it's an actual floral flavor, that's very it's a very distinctive flavor as opposed to like a nutty or yes. a sweet kind of thing. Um, yeah, if it's a strong floral flavor, I agree. I don't care for that as much. So we're going to move on to the clover. Now, talk about prolific. <laughs> clover is everywhere. Even when you don't want it to be there, it's there. So it's a common lawn weed, but they are edible from root to blossom. Both white clover and red clover are edible. Make sure to pick flowers that are free of wilted brown petals. I think that should just be in general. <laughs> yeah, if you see like brown petals or something, just, yeah. Don't, either don't get those ones or just pick the flower off of them, I guess. If eating just the flowers, the petals alone are the sweetest. Now, with edible flowers, you can eat them a variety of ways. And one of the ways is dry. So think of it like dehydrated, right? Like grapes and raisins. So the dried leaves and flowers are slightly sweet and can leave behind a faint vanilla-like flavor. And apparently they make delicious tea. Which is very interesting because that sounds really good. A slight vanilla flavor, right? Mm -hmm. That sounds like a really nice a nice flavoring to put in things. But the clover does have a few safety caveats. Consume only fresh or dried flowers, never fermented. Clovers grown in warmer tropical regions contain a small amount of cyanide and should be avoided. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So clovers everywhere are not okay. People in the in the tropics do not eat your clover. Some people are allergic to clover, so it's best to start with small quantities unless you know you're safe. 
Moving on to the chickweed. I do want to say that the clovers and the white clovers remind me of the movie Bambi. I know. With, with the little rabbits. And yep. the ones called Thumper like to eat the white flower of the clover yep. and not the greens. And his parents would always have to force him to eat the greens first. Right. And this, and even the as you look at the clover, there's a bunch of petals around um, like a sphere to make it into that little circle, circular shape. And I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure nobody's going to pick all those petals off, but the petals themselves are what is the sweetest. Yeah. Now, if you're a small bunny, right. you could probably do that. So we're going to move on to chickweed. This is an interesting one. It's a fairly prolific, cool-weather garden weed, but its flowers are very tiny, and gathering many would be labor-intensive. So raw, it tastes like corn silk, which cracks me up. Who's walking around eating corn silk? How do you know what that even tastes like? What does like? that taste like? I don't know. And cooked is similar to spinach. Okay, neither one of these are appealing. So chickweed's off my list. <laughs> but if you like corn silk or spinach. <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> here you go. It can be added to soups or stews. And that's what I thought. Okay, that makes more sense with the spinach flavor. But only in the last five minutes because... You don't want it to wilt. Unlike many wild edible flowers, the chickweed's stems, leaves, flowers, and seeds are all edible. So, and I don't know if you know what a chickweed looks like, but it is really small. Like, I can't imagine going and um, getting a bunch of those. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work for for us would not be a it beneficial... It would not be worth it, yeah. Yeah, time, yeah. Yeah, especially since it's going to, even if it adds a little coloring um the corn silk is not exactly the corn silk <laughs> flavor isn't uh something to be appealing for us for us exactly exactly thank you exactly if it is for you though go at it and let us know next is the wood sorrel flower so the leaves flower and seed pods in this like the last one are all edible so wood sorrel flowers are also small and they have a mildly tangy sourness so you think citrus or lemon that kind of flavor and it makes them great as a trail nibble in salads on seafoods and any other foods you might season with lemon you can also infuse water with these which i thought was a really fun idea the flowers can be yellow pink or white so the interesting thing about those plants and flowers is that the leaves may kind of look like clovers they look like big clovers mm-hmm. um but separated more but a little more separated yeah but if you just looked at them you think oh those are clovers clover flowers which you know for in some places are also edible so definitely worth looking up to see what they look like yeah the black locust is the next one that i'm going to talk about and they're so pretty, and I'm wondering if this is what we have outside, Brandy. This, okay. Let me give you a picture of it. If it is, doesn't that look like what we get in the spring? It in does. The woods? Yeah, you're right. That does look like our yeah, black locust. tree back there. We were wondering what that was. Yeah. So the black locust bloom is very short-lived, which is also what ours yes, does. Yes, matches our tree in the backyard. It True. Does. The flowers come in sometime mid to late spring, depending on the temperature and region. So anywhere from early April to early June, depending where you are. And once they're here, they're only here for a week or two. 
So locust is a legume, and the flower's flavor is like a sweet pea filled with honey. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Which I don't makes, know what a sweet pea flavor is. It's like a sweet peas are just little like the, peas. Oh, the oh, okay. Yeah, but it, it would was be, something else. Okay. No. No, it would be like an uncooked one, though, like a little sweet, like when you you know get out of the pods. Okay. Anyway. It's like a sweet pea filled with honey, which makes it tasty to be eaten fresh. You can also make it into preserves, wine, or other treats because of that little sweetness factor. Nice. Next, we're going to talk about what is a what is a weed in the yard that every man probably doesn't want to see. Dandelions. I, you are correct. It is the dandelion. But it turns out the dandelions are dandy. <laughs> this one I knew. As an edible flower. The flowers seem to be everywhere by mid-spring. Every part of the plant is edible from the root to the blossom, which is interesting. But this comes with a caution because many yards are sprayed with pesticides. So these dandelions are not safe to eat. So if you're spraying your lawn... Do not eat those dandelions. Go to the next, go to the yard next door that's prolific and nobody's spraying. <laughs> okay. Eat their dandelions. All right. There's no guarantee that a neighbor is not also spraying. So oh, that's true. Go to the field somewhere. There you go. Get some. So the yellow petals are sweet and are best in the early spring. And the shorter flowers apparently are better than the longer ones, probably because the longer ones have been there maybe longer. Does it grow taller as it gets older? Uh, I yeah. imagine it does. Yeah, I would guess so. That would give the that would be the reason. The greens are the same. They're best in the early spring. And the greens are actually better before the plant starts to develop flowers. So you have to know your dandelion. Usually the dandelions, you notice them with those yellow flowers. But the leaves themselves are better before the flower develops. So if you're into dandelion leaves, if you want to taste dandelion greens, check up on your leaves and get out there before the flowers start. Apparently, they're good in salads. And I remember my mom saying that she ate dandelion in her salads when she was growing up. And I don't... I'll have to ask her... If they were the dandelion greens or the dandelion flowers. Right. I'm thinking they were the greens, but I really, that's just a guess on my part. So I'll have to ask her. Yes. That would be a good thing to ask. Yeah. The dandelion flowers are good raw, cooked, or made into a tea. So apparently there's a lot you can do with those dandelions other than just get mad at them for being in your lawn. The nice thing about going after the greens early is that you can actually get rid of the true. plant itself before it flowers and then spreads spreads everywhere. Yep, that's true. Good, good thinking. What is another yellow springtime flower that's prolific that we see and it's like, oh, there they are, it's spring. Forsythia? Forsythia. Oh, okay. That was, that was really was a guess. Yeah. <laughs> They're bright yellow shrubs with tons of flowers all over them. And it's not really wild, but it's so common, both planted and escaped, that cracked me up. They were like, the researcher was like, those that escaped, I'm like, you're so funny. Like, <laughs> it's just a really funny thing to say. Anyway, it deserves to be mentioned here. 
So the brilliant yellow flowers are a familiar sight, like I was just saying, in suburban and rural areas both, and they appear on the bush before the leaves. Since the leaves come later, it's really easy to forage a bunch of flowers quickly without having to pick through and discard leaves. So, we have a lot of people around here that use these to decorate their lawns with. Do yes. you think they would mind if people came and, and foraged the flowers? their flowers <laughs> off of the bushes? I don't think we should speak for them. Oh, okay. I think that, <laughs> good luck, and uh, yeah, if you two have forsythia bushes... And you want forsythia flowers. The flowers have a subtle floral flavor, so more subtle. They're great in salads to add a pop of color. They can also be used to make syrup. Hmm. Forsythia flower honey syrup, which is a pretty yellow color and, according to one enthusiast, tastes like spring. And when I was looking these up, there were a lot of different recipes for... Forsythia flower honey syrup. And oh. it is bright yellow. It's really pretty. I would actually, I would like to taste it. It sounds like it would be probably better for us on a salad as a pop of color because they're so small, they're not going to, there's not going to be a lot of taste in them. Um, if you, since we don't love the floral taste. But, uh, but I would be interested in, in trying the syrup. Yeah. So that was a lot of good information, a lot of fun. It almost made me want to go out and forage. Not quite, <laughs> but, but it did make me a lot more interested in edible flowers. And yeah, so. Very fun and tasty and pretty. That's right. Ways to kind of make your salads or your drinks or something. Right. Teas, mm -hmm. syrups, candies look, look even. Look a little better. Yeah. yeah. Very fun. Looking forward to more edible flowers in the future. Thank you, Mom. That was really interesting. Flowers are one thing that you can put into a time capsule. That's true. Actually, you could put, yeah. Yeah. So, I, as a part of the bucket list, um, the summer bucket list, you can create a time capsule. So, what is a time capsule? Well, it is... A time capsule is a historic collection of goods or information usually intended as a deliberate method of communication with future people and to help future archaeologists, anthropologists, or historians. Such an a example is the preservation of holy relics dating back for the millennia but the practice of preparing and preserving a collection of everyday artifacts and messages um, to future to the future appears to be a more recent practice. Oh, interesting. So, hmm. Yeah, so time capsules are sometimes created and buried during celebrations such as World's Fair, a cornerstone laying for a building, or at other ceremonies. So, yeah. So we actually did time capsules in different grades in school. That's what I was thinking too. School yeah. in, the, in schools you sometimes do them. Yeah. Which is funny yeah. to think about. Are there like just thousands of these things littered around right. the school grounds or something? And who's digging them back up? I know, right? <laughs> so the oldest time capsule in America or the United States was buried in 
1795 by Paul Revere and Samuel Adams. It was a 10-pound capsule, and it was opened at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston in front of a crowd of press and history enthusiasts. That would have been so cool to see. Yes. They spent about five hours delicately loosening the screws that held down the lid. So it was like um, it was a very secure time capsule. That probably wasn't very interesting, but um, the opening sure was. Inside, they found a well-preserved collection of Revolutionary-era artifacts, as well as some dating to the first opening. So this was originally opened in 1855. And then um, the artifacts were taken and put into a more secure time capsule. So this was um, an interesting situation. Historians were a little worried that it had destroyed or damaged some of the um, contents but um, to their delight, it really didn't make that much of a difference. So there were over a dozen coins in the time capsule, including a one shilling piece from 1652, as well as a half cent, a three cent, a dime, and a quart dollar, and a half dollar coin. Oh, a Saturday morning paper in the Boston Traveler newspaper, priced at two cents, were discovered in readable condition. Nice. Yeah. Also within the title page of the first volume of the Massachusetts Colony Records, a paper impression of the seal of the Commonwealth, a medal depicting George Washington, and a silver plaque commemorating the erection of the state house. Conservationists will be hard at work over um, months working to preserve the materials, although time capsules can be used for historical moments and historical use. In modern times, time capsules are more common and used for more common events and occurrences, which goes back to the school, you know, when you're in school making time capsules. And nowadays, I mean, I've seen time capsules made for weddings. They're can be time capsules for birthday parties and such. So how how do you make a time capsule? So what so what exactly does it contain? A time capsule is a container that holds present day items, like we heard previously. Well, those were present day items back then. But present day items such as photos, newspapers, letters, and more. It's typically hidden away for your future self or someone of your choosing to open. This is the perfect this is perfect as a gift to yourself or a gift for your child for future years. So how to make your time capsule? Well, first you have to choose your container. Choosing your container depends on how long you are planning on keeping it hidden and really where you're planning on keeping it hidden. This is a if you have kids, this is a great opportunity for your little ones to get involved. Have them pick out the box or help them decorate the box before it's filled. And I found on Amazon and Etsy, there are a lot of opportunities now to get personalized time capsule containers, like all kinds. So you could also do that as well. 
Secondly, determine where you'll store your time capsule. For indoor storage, a shoebox, wooden box, or, or a large plastic container will work, or even a mason jar. For outdoor safekeeping, consider a waterproof, non-biodegradable container, such as an old metal coffee can, popcorn can, or a box made of stainless steel. And, I mean, like, you can bury it in garden, like, that's a, like, the schools sometimes would bury it on property. And number three, decorate your time capsule. There are all kinds of ways to decorate it as well as choose what to put in it. Um, so what has, so for you both, what has been your experience with time capsules? Like you said previously about school, do you remember what you put in your time capsule? I don't remember specifically what we put in. I'm sure it was like some pictures, um, you know, things of the age, like it was probably like third grade or fifth grade or sixth grade, somewhere around there. Uh, so I don't remember, and I also don't remember opening it up. I do remember we did a time capsule at church once for, I think it was uh, in 1976, maybe it was 75, in honor of like the 200th year of the church being in existence that I was going to at the time. Um, so I remember, I, th I believe we did time capsule for that as well. It does make me think, I, I listened to an NPR podcast recently about uh, seeds, and there was a time capsule project that was actually started um, a while ago in, in, 18, in 1879 at Michigan State University. They they uh, put I think it was twenty bottles of seeds in like like in a manner that made the seeds um, dormant okay. and they buried them in a secret location and then every ten years and then eventually it was every twenty years they would take some out plant them to see if they would grow basically it's unclear how long a seed will survive so they had a bunch of different varieties and they've been trying to over time see you know okay now. 20 years later, 20 years later. So they've been doing this since 1879, and the seeds are still growing. Wow. When okay. they plant them. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, very long-term time capsule kind of right. concept. And yeah, it's definitely a university type of thing. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. like a U type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney, did you have personal experience with time capsules? I do, uh, but I was wondering with mom, now, do I you have any... Do you have any memories of time capsules? Yeah, no, I, I, same thing. I'm pretty sure we did that in elementary school at some point, but, um, okay. but I don't remember opening it again and I don't remember what happened to it or anything. Um, but I really like the idea. Yeah. Yeah. My experience with it was actually when I was in college, I actually made a I don't know if it was the junior or senior year in college, but before I graduated, I made a small time capsule for myself. And I had, I bought a graduation card. I basically wrote in it for my future self, just congratulating myself on graduating and all the hard work I did and just trying to be like really positive. Um, I might have like put a, other things in there. I don't quite remember that, but I've had like a cute little box that I got and I put that away. And then when I graduated, I remember bringing that out and opening it and reading the card um so that was that was a lot of fun 
So it's interesting, Sydney. So yeah, it's kind of a, a something that you could choose the length of time, or right? it doesn't have to be right. hundreds of years. It can be milestone based too. Right. And you're absolutely right. Especially, um, I feel like it's a modern day, um, like on special occasions and stuff. It's more much more common now to to make a time capsule and decide, you know, oh, I want to make this for my future kids, or even just like, okay, a year from now, I want to, uh, you know, look back and see what I've done, or uh, you know encourage myself then it's a really cute idea yeah yeah so what are so i have a question for you two and i'll i'll give an example and then i'll let you you two um speak so my question for you two is what are three things or items you would put in a time capsule right now that represents the year 2021 to you right now so for instance it it would be from like january to now right so three things that i would put in is maybe like an apartment key because um i moved into a new apartment i would put noelle's puppy book in there because that would represent um getting her and all that experience and i would put a um, red lipstick in there as well because we no longer have to wear masks and I can start wearing lipstick again. (laughs) Well, this is an interesting exercise, Sydney. It was... I met that with a little bit of panic at first. (laughs) I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So as I thought about it a little bit, it's like I thought I'd probably put in my COVID vaccination card, which would also... it's. Also a historic thing, right? As well as personal. Um, I'd probably put in something that, some kind of a cricket tool or something like that to um, represent that, my new hobby with the cricket. And probably like a microphone or something because of the podcast. That's the other big thing that I work on every week those are all good ones good job mom thanks good job (laughs) so i think i would put in a mask because i don't need a mask anymore because i am vaccinated good thinking maybe all of my masks (laughs) (laughs) no you want to fill up the whole box oh okay and you never know when you might need those again that's true unfortunately um i would put in probably i'm thinking a pine cone because I think I've had a lot of time, even over this last year, to work outside in the yard and do projects and things like that. So I think a, a pine cone would be good. Representing outside and you being able yep. to be out more. Right. And then I'd probably put in something, I was trying to pick something Disney related. Oh, that's good for you. Um, so maybe... A Disney shirt, because I have a ton of Disney shirts or a Disney hat. Uh, you know, although we haven't gone... Well, for us, it's been a while, but it's really only been since right before Christmas. So it hasn't been that long. So that's probably a good one to put but in there. you love Disney, so that's always a good one to put in. Yes, that's true. So probably those. Very good. 
those sound like excellent um, time capsule starters. So for those listening, let us know what you would put in your time capsules or what you have already put in your time capsules. We would love to hear from you. Great idea. Good thinking. Our future festivities are for the week of June 7th. June 7th is National Boom Day. June 8th is Best Friends Day. June 9th, National Donald Duck Day. June 10th, National Ice Tea Day. June 11th, National Corn on the Cob Day. June 12th, National Jerky Day. And June 13th, National Weed Your Garden Day, which kind of goes along with Beth's edible plants in some cases. <laughs> That's right. You can always find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can search for us in the Facebook search bar with Holiday Moons. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can email us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Randy. Beth. And Sydney. Enjoy Enjoy the the warm warm weather.
Cause I'm 